I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. I am so excited today to welcome Paige Arnoff-Fenn. She is the founder and CEO of Mavens and Moguls, a global branding and digital marketing firm whose clients range from early stage startup to Fortune 500 companies, including, oh my goodness, what a list, Colgate, Virgin, Microsoft, the New York Times Company. And before that, she was a VP of marketing at Zipcar and Inc.com. Uh, prior to that, she held the title of Senior VP of Marketing at Launch Media, uh, an internet startup uh, firm that was later sold to Yahoo. Paige has also worked on a spe- as a special assistant to the chief marketing officer of global marketing at the Coca-Cola Company and held the position of director of the 1996 a commemorative, uh, commemorative coin program at the Department of Treasury. Uh, Paige is a founding board member of Women and Entrepreneurs in Science and Technology, and she is the past board chair of the Alumni Board of Stanford University. She was the appointed director for Harvard Business School on the Harvard Alumni Association Board which governors, governs all the schools across the university. She is also the former vice president of the Harvard Business School uh, uh, Global Alumni Board and the only woman chair of the board of trustees of the Sports Museum at the Boston Garden. She is a, an advisor to several early stage private companies and nonprofit organizations and is also a three-time past president of the Stanford Club of New England, which serves alumni in a five-state region. She holds an undergraduate degree in economics from Stanford University and a MBA from Harvard Business School. Paige, welcome. Thank you so much, Craig, for having me. Oh, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to having you come. My goodness. That I I don't think I would accomplish that in three careers. You have done so much. Well, you know, I I don't sleep a lot and I love what I do. So I feel like there's just so much opportunity out there and there's so many great people that I love throwing myself into things that interest me. Wow. Well, that's neat. I mean, and I, you know. How did this happen? We were talking a little bit earlier in the green room. You grew up in New Orleans. You now live in Cambridge. And you obviously lived in California. How did all this start? How did this come about? So I joke that I'm the accidental entrepreneur. I was never planning on starting a company. When I was a kid, I looked at people like Meg Whitman as role models. I wanted to be a Fortune 500 CEO. 
So when I was in business school, I thought fast forward a few decades, I'd be running a big multinational Fortune 500 company and traveling the world and motivating and inspiring my staff and team to accomplish great things. And I started down that path. My first job out of business school was doing marketing for Procter & Gamble, big Fortune 500 company, kind of the mecca of marketing. And as you said, I was the assistant chief marketing officer at Coca-Cola, the most recognized brand in the world. And so I was really on the corporate path. But in 19- can, can, Can I pause you real quick? Sure. Because you said something that at least a good percentage of the audience doesn't know. You said you were you started at Procter and Gamble. They're the world's largest advertiser. Absolutely. So sorry, I just didn't want that to be missed. This is not just some company. You know, you you start at the world's largest advertiser and then you go to the world's largest brand. Yeah, no, I was I really learned from the best of the best. And PG invented the concept of brand management. So every category they compete in. They are the market leader, whether you're talking Pampers diapers, bounty paper towels, Charmin toilet paper, Pantene, Oil of Olay. I mean, every single category, they are the best of the best. So I learned from like, you know, the masters um, and the guy who was the chief marketing officer at Coke. When I was there, I was the number two. He was the guy that did both New Coke and Diet Coke. One was the biggest failure of all time, and one was the biggest success of all time. So I really learned from the masters. So I, I have a I have a question. I I didn't. I was wondering. You know, you, you look very young, so I wasn't going to ask if if you were there for New Coke. And that um, was before I worked there, but I was alive. Yeah. The. I actually write about New Coke and I I feel horrible for the people who did that because I feel like they were really trying to do the right thing. I mean, as I understand it, they sampled 200,000 people. Their sample size was massive. You know, from a data science standpoint, they did the right things and they failed miserably. And, you know, I think I know, I know why they failed, you know, b- based on how the brain processes, but I feel so horrible for these people. You know, do you have any insight to how they process that internally? I would say you shouldn't feel sorry for him because my boss was originally fired, but they brought him back and they turned this debacle into one of the best success stories of all time. You know, classic Coke. That original formula, people loved it more than ever when they brought it back. And they really emotionally connected with their customers in a way that they hadn't before. And, you know, the profitability just soared. So you should embrace them and commend them. Don't feel sorry for them. They they took lemons and turned it into like the best lemonade of all time. You know, that's an amazing insight. And, you know, and again, just thinking about the people you advise and the uh, the listeners, I mean, nobody's perfect. Every business makes mistakes. And was it Henry Having Ford? Having a huge budget doesn't necessarily 
save you. Like you said, these big companies have huge budgets and war chests, but that doesn't mean you're going to win every time. My clients now are predominantly scrappy small businesses. They can't afford to talk to more than a handful or a couple hundred people. They don't get to talk to hundreds of thousands of people. So they're having to make decisions with partial information. And you're not always going to make the right decision, but you have to have the confidence to be able to pivot and, you know, take the data you have and make the best decisions you can. And when you have better data, you make better decisions. Yeah. Well, and something you said about taking lemons and turning it into lemonade, I've I've got a book coming out this fall and I, I forgot the exact quote by Henry Ford, but something along the lines is the only mistake is one that you don't learn from. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And I didn't know. I mean, it makes sense that in that failure, it in taking it away. I mean, so my grandkids just came and visited. And what's the most coveted toy? The one his brother has. You know, you know so once you lose something, um, you know, it comes back. And and I had I'd never thought about that. So that that helped reawaken people's love for classic Coke. Exactly. But there I was at Coca-Cola. It was 1997 and the internet had really started to take off. And I kind of got bitten by the dot-com bug. And I was watching all these scrappy little companies raise millions of dollars. And it was like a shiny object I could not stop staring at. And I had a big office and a, you know, cushy corporate job and a secretary. And all I wanted to do was like wear jeans to work and go work at one of these fun startup businesses that didn't have all the hierarchy and structure. So I quit my my fancy job at, in Atlanta on a Friday and I started working at an internet startup on Monday morning in the music and entertainment space. And I was kind of a pop culture junkie. And the company had raised about $40 million and most of it was for marketing. And I was the new chief marketing officer. And I just, you know, got to wear my jeans and flip-flops to work. Our office was five blocks from the beach. Everyone that worked for me, you know, at Coke, it's very buttoned up, very corporate. Men didn't leave their own office to go to the bathroom or the cafeteria without their jackets on. Everyone on my team at, at the internet startup, they had tattoos, body piercing, pink hair, shaved heads, you know, flip-flops, cutoffs. It was not corporate at all. And um, we just had a ball. And like I said, $40 million is not nothing. But it wasn't even close to the budgets I had at P&G and Coke. And we were really scrappy. And we just had a ball. And we ended up uh, going public and getting sold to Yahoo. And then my husband and I moved to the East Coast. I did another uh, startup as the head of marketing. And we got sold to Bertelsmann, which is the largest privately held media company in the world. Then I did another startup as the head of marketing. And we went public and we were sold as well. So I had these three good exits and I was just having so much fun 
without all the layers of management and memos and all the corporate stuff that used to just feel kind of constraining and kind of zap me of a lot of energy and creativity. With these internet startups, it was like fasten your seatbelt and learn as much as you can as fast as you can. And like you were saying, when you do research at a big company, it can take months. At, you know, at the internet startup, you go out at lunch hour, you intercept people on the street that look like your target audience, you get their feedback. And by, before you go home that night, you've incorporated their feedback into your website and you read the next morning and see which clicks got the most traffic. And that was your research. It was all done in a 24-hour cycle. You know, internet companies can't wait six, eight, nine months for data results. That's ridiculous. And then 9-11 happened. And uh, I had just gotten bought out of the third startup. And I ended up hanging a shingle out and becoming an independent marketing professional, setting up my business. And I've been at it for 21 years. So like I said, if you had met me in business school and told me I'd be running, you know, a global marketing and branding company, I would have said, Craig, you're insane. I'm yeah. gonna be Meg, I'm gonna be Meg Whitman. And, <laughs> you know, look, look, I guess the joke's on me. So your company is Mavens and Moguls. Yeah. So what's how'd you come up on that name? Um, you know, it's a good story. Maven is a Yiddish word for expert. Or my great-grandmother might say know-it-all. Um, and uh, mogul, if you check out Merriam-Webster, someone of rank, power, or distinction in a specified area. So when I was assembling my team, I called the women the marketing mavens and the guys the marketing moguls. And as I was emailing them while we were setting up, I'd just email, hey, mavens and moguls, here's what's going on. Here's some ideas. Here's some potential work. And that was just my name. I wasn't really thinking that was the name of the company. We were building the website, kind of getting launched. And um, but then when the website was done, we needed a name and a logo and a brand. So I sent out, you know, a survey over email and I listed about a hundred names. Most of them were really serious. Um, integrated marketing solutions, strategic marketing advisors, like, you know, these very buttoned up names. And I threw in Mavens and Moguls just as a, like, you know, why not? And I sent the survey out to about 100 people that might be potential clients. They might refer business to us, people that are in the media that might, you know, talk about us. And I said, you know, we want to be um, memorable. We don't want to um, kind of blend in. We want to stand out. If we're going to do marketing and branding, we have to have a good name. You know, um, here's what we're doing. You know, look at the list and give me your favorite choices. And what came back uh, really shocked me. People didn't like the boring names. Mavens and Moguls showed up on so many people's top five. And there were only three people that said either 
whatever you do, don't pick mavens and mobiles. <laughs> it's too silly. You're not going to be taken seriously. Um, oh, and in the the blurb that I sent, the placeholder was Company X. I'm trying to find a name for Company X. So one of those three people said, I don't like any of your names. I think you should call yourself Company X. And I thought that was ridiculous. And then the third person, unprompted, called me like two days after I sent the survey. And he said, is it too late to change my vote? And I said, what What are you thinking? He said, I was the one that said, whatever you do, don't pick mavens and moguls. But it's the only name I remember now. I don't even remember what I voted on. Now I kind of like the name. It's grown on me. So that sealed the deal for me. Once I realized we want to break through the clutter, we wanted to be the not your father's Osmobile version of marketing companies, and we wanted to be memorable. So it stuck. Uh, I had a designer friend make a logo, bought the URL, and here we are 21 years later. Wow, that's that's awesome. You know, and I think I think one of the things that really hurts, especially larger brands, is they get terrified of offending or doing something that's that way. There's a fellow locally, a guy named Roy Williams, um, who's um, pretty successful. And in one of his, he has in his first book that was a uh, bestseller, I think the opening sentence is, the um, uh, the cost of clarity is offense, or something along those lines, you know, and and you know basically, if if you want to be clear, and he would go on to say, if you want to be memorable, you will offend people. If you offend no one, you've got a horrible brand. Absolutely. I mean, I always say to people, don't be scared of people turning you down and saying no. Your goal is to get them to say no as quickly as possible so you can go find the people who are going to say yes. You're not going to be, you know, I don't need everybody to be my client, but for the people that are going to be a good fit for me, I want to make sure that they think of me first. So at the end of the day, you know, the, 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 the goal is, you know, find people who value what you do, who want to pay you you know, a fair wage to help them. And don't worry if if you're not a good fit, that's fine. Clear the decks. You know, you don't want tire kickers to drain your energy and keep, you know, asking questions if they're not going to pull the trigger. You know, if you have to offend people, that's okay. And, 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 you know, I think you you really hit something so key, especially for a lot of a lot of smaller businesses, you know, now if you have a factory that just turns out things by the millions, yeah, you want to sell those to as many people as you can. But if you're in anything that resembles a service business, your your goal isn't to serve everybody. It's to serve the people who get you and who you, you get them. You got it. So know your target audience, know what they value know what messages resonate with them. And that's that's the key. You want to find them as quickly as possible and ignore and 
kind of clear the decks of anything that's just noise or a distraction. You know, we talk a lot about um, in our own world, we talk about something, uh, something we call a first time offer. That's like a coffee date. And, and we, if you think about the purpose of a coffee date, you know, you go on the coffee date because you hope for bigger and better things. You don't go on the coffee date because you hope it fails, but you go on the coffee date. And sometimes at the end of the date, you say, you know what? You're a wonderful person. I don't think we're wonderful together. Right. And that's success. Absolutely. So what does Mavens and Moguls do? You know, so like kind of a high level, what do you do for folks? So we're basically a virtual marketing department for organizations that need access to great marketing talent on an outsourced basis. So we can be an extension of your team or we can be your, your marketing team uh, just, you know, outside, uh, outside of your walls, but we can, we can almost like private label. A lot of people bring us in on a virtual basis. So we can be like a virtual chief marketing officer or a virtual marketing director um, and kind of be the voice of the customer and find the right words and pictures for our our uh, clients to tell their story so they can sell more of their products and services faster. And um, we really believe that every organization deserves great marketing advice, that it shouldn't just go to the biggest budgets or the biggest companies that can afford to hire the Madison Avenue agencies. You know, nonprofits, small businesses, they deserve great marketing advice too. And so we help organizations, regardless of size or budget, we can help them on a small scale and, you know, prioritize. They have a small budget. They're not going to be able to do everything, but there are a lot of cost efficient things you can do with online marketing and social media that can really help you elevate your profile and tell your story to a larger audience. Wow, that's awesome. Now, as you were talking about your your journey, what an amazing journey. You know, you've been, you know, you've been in multiple leadership roles. You're in you've been in your current leadership role for 21 years and of Mavens and Moguls. What would you say if you have one leadership lesson that you could pass off to your son or daughter, and you said, this is the one lesson I want you to remember, what would be that lesson? So I, I don't have any kids, but I've got nieces, nephews, and godkids, uh, lots of mentees. Um, there are a lot of lessons to pass along. I think probably the most important is about being authentic. Um you know, sticking to your strengths. Don't try and um, <laughs> don't try and kind of mimic somebody else. Figure out what's really good for you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and if you know what your core values and core strengths are, that's really the best you're going to be able. You, you will own that you own that lane better than anybody else. If things you need to hire around your weaknesses and focus on your strengths. 
that's your competitive advantage. Um, I think where leaders go awry is they try and kind of mimic or copycat other people. And you're never going to be the best if you're imitating somebody else. I think the original, you know, stick to your knitting and know what's know what's really unique, special, and different about you, and then manage that to the hilt. I think those brands are the ones that own the real estate in their customer's brain. So when they have a problem that that brand can help them solve, they will think of that brand first. People know when it's real and they know when it's kind of a copycat. And the copycats really don't win in the end. So I think it's about being authentic, transparent, vulnerable, but really knowing what, what is, what's the best thing, what is unique, special, and different, what, what are you the best at? And if you stick to that, you're in good shape. Well, that's great advice. Let me ask you this. Um, when was a time that you felt like your leadership was really put to the test? And you know, it was just kind of one of these shaky times and you weren't sure how it was going to work out. There are a lot of examples of that too. Uh, in the first six months of my company, one of my very first clients signed a uh, six-figure engagement. That's a big client for a company like mine. And uh, we were doing PR for him. And the guy was a jerk. And we were getting him great PR. My team was getting him quoted everywhere, locally, nationally. I mean, he his name and photo and quotes, and he was just popping up everywhere. He was being really slow to pay and his head was getting big and he was just not very nice. And, um, you know, when you start a company, the buck stops with you. And I talked about having a no jerks policy. I didn't want to work with or for jerks. Well, on the third month of our engagement, again, he signed a 12 month contract. Um, the team we were all in his office around the table. And I said, before we jump into the agenda, since we're all here in person today, maybe we could just start with you kind of thanking the team. You've had a great run on the press front. We've only been working together a couple months and you've already gotten some outstanding press. And I just thought maybe we could start with that. And he looks me dead in the eye and says, thank you. Why would I thank you? I'm paying you. And I thought, what a jerk. And um, by the way, he hadn't paid us that month yet. So I said, funny, you should say that. I'm hoping we can leave here with a check since we actually haven't been paid this month. But um, anyway, I was disappointed. And we had our meeting. And at the end of the meeting, I said to him, you know, I don't think we're the right team for you. And um, I think this may be our last month. So when you get the check, I think we should kind of shake hands and part ways. And the guy was really taken aback. And he said, are you firing me as a client? And I said, yeah, I guess I think I am. I think that's exactly what I'm doing. And I have to say, uh, we walked out of there. My team and I were in the parking lot. And it was like this 
huge weight had been lifted because they knew I had their back and they knew I put my money where my mouth was. I didn't just talk about no jerks. We're really not going to work for him. And they did do an outstanding job and he wasn't even willing to thank them. And, um, you know, we were over servicing him for what he was paying and he didn't appreciate it. And within about a month or six weeks, we had replaced that business and income with even more, with better clients, bigger, bigger budgets. And the team was just like thriving. They were so excited and they knew that I wasn't scared to walk away. Like it was a risky maneuver. Like I said, I had really only started my company a few months before. He was one of my biggest clients, but I thought like, this guy's a jerk. Everyone that knows him knows he's a jerk. And if he has other friends that own businesses and they see how great of a job we've done for them. And these people contact me thinking that guy's such an asshole. And look at the great press she got him. If he, she can do that for him, imagine what they could do for me. And this guy's a jerk too, maybe not as much of a jerk, but I didn't want to build a company with a bunch of clients like that. And I just, in, in real time, realized we got to draw a line right here, right now, because this could get really, you know, this could lead to a place I don't want to go. And uh, it was a really smart move. and. I've never looked back. No, and that's, I mean, that's so good. You know, and especially in the, you know, the marketing and advertising business, there's almost an assumption that, you know, you take the abuse and you take it for money. And so I'm sure he was surprised because I'm sure he had done that with a number of agencies. I'm sure he did it with everybody that he came in contact with. But for you to build an amazing team, you know, you can only hope that all of your competitors allow their employees to get abused. Right. No, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that business. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is awesome. I, you know, literally we, we could go on and talk for another hour. I was going to say, I could talk to you forever, Craig. This is so fun. Well, it, it is fun. Uh, Paige, I'm, I'm so glad you were here. So how do people contact you? So the best thing, you can go to my website, mavensamoguls.com. It's M-A-V-E-N-S-A-N-D-M-O-G-U-L-S.com. Or on LinkedIn, uh, my last name is hyphenated, but on LinkedIn, it's all smushed together. Paige Arnoff-Fenn, P-A-I-G-E-A-R-N-O-F-F-E-N-N. And as one of my clients always says, because the name of my company has an ampersand and my last name is hyphenated. She's always like, there are too many words I can never remember. So I always just Google Paige and Mavens and you always pop right up. So thank goodness for search engine optimization. You can always find me on Google too. Oh, that's excellent. And and you said earlier that you have some free resources on your website. Uh, so you go to mavensandmoguls.com and the articles tab and the speakers tab is loaded with loaded free stuff. Chock full, lots of free content that'll help small businesses. And if you have any questions, you can contact me and I'm happy. I love talking about all things branding and marketing. So feel free to follow up. Well, thanks again, Paige. This has been great.
Thanks, Craig. I've had a ball. Really appreciate it. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.